Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Media Network. <laughs> Students spilled from classrooms. The once quiet halls were now screaming with the hormones of a thousand teenagers. The latest gossip leaked from their pitch-shifting voices as they walked to their next classroom with friends. I walked out of American history and started my journey upstairs to Spanish. It was the only class I had on the school's second floor that day. My buddy Joel was coming down the stairs as I approached him. Bumping into Joel between these classes wasn't a regular occurrence, so I was excited to see him. Dude, what's up? What are you... What's that shirt you got on? Peeking through his jacket, Joel's t-shirt caught my eye. It had a familiar look of Stadium Arcadium, the most recent Red Hot Chili Peppers album. He peeled back his jacket to prove me correct. It was a Stadium Arcadium shirt, but this wasn't an album shirt. It was the heralded tour shirt. The tour shirt was mightier than the generic shirt. This was your largest badge of honor as a music fan. Anyone can buy a Nirvana or Led Zeppelin shirt. I'm pretty sure they sell both at Walmart. But to have the tour shirt is a much bigger deal. It means you saw the artist live, not in a discount bin. You paid the ticket, you bought the merch, and now you are a shining beacon of fandom. I didn't tell you, me, Derek, and Lucas drove to Nashville on Tuesday to see them. The breath was sucked from my lungs. I stared at Joel in disbelief. You're telling me you teenage rap scallions made the six-hour drive to Nashville to see THE Red Hot Chili Peppers? And without a moment to question his authenticity, Joel began running down the set list. Oh yeah, they opened with Can't Stop, they played Soul to Squeeze. They were so good, man. Chad Smith is a beast. The more Joel rambled on about the show, the more I realized there was no question in his credibility right now. It was totally plausible. He was hands down the biggest Chili Peppers fan I knew. As a drummer, Joel would bring his Chili Peppers songbook to school, and between classes could be found studying the pages. He would slap his legs like he was behind this kid. When the band's newest single, Danny California, was released, I rushed to find him. Did you see the music video, man? What about that Frashante solo? Once the reality set in that Joel had seen the band, I had a million questions. What other songs did they play? Did John solo like a madman? Did Anthony wear a shirt? How wild was the crowd? Did they play Sir Psycho Sexy? This was huge to me. By this time, I'd only seen a handful of concerts, but no one of this marquee level. In my mind, Joel had seen one of the largest bands in the world. It was like running into someone that had seen Van Halen in 1984. The warning bell for the next class sounded and we parted ways. For the rest of the day, I stewed in envy. I was happy for Joel. I guess. That was his band but they were a massive name. They were also relevant. Their new album was everywhere. Their singles were in constant rotation on the radio. Joel was way cooler than me for a thousand reasons, but a few years later, when he became my show buddy, no matter who I saw, he remained cooler than me because of that show. It wasn't so much that it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It was the Marquee. They were a true arena rock band. They weren't a legacy act. In sorts, the Stadium Arcadium release was another peak in their career. For years, this was my benchmark. No matter how many concerts I saw, no matter the name or the legacy, Joel had set the standard. Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and California dreamers. My name is Lance Ingram, and in the season three, episode two of Yesterday's Concert, 
Our Jam Journal takes us to April 12, 2012. Grab your earplugs as we go to the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. pencil glided across the paper. I was laser focused on the line. It came to a stop and swished across the page, creating a gray splotch of darkening shadow. I grabbed the tissue next to me and smudged the shading to smooth the lines. My hands were stained gray from the graphite. From behind me I felt a hand land on my shoulder. I removed my headphones and turned to see my art teacher hovering over me. You would draw Jim Morrison. Mm. He was a beautiful, beautiful man. Try doing the shading a little more like this. She took the pencil from my hands and showed me a different technique for shading. She handed the pencil back, patted me on the back, and moved on to another student. I popped my headphones back in and lost myself in Morrison's face. I loved this class. It was freshman art and our teacher understood the intricacies of being an art teacher for teenagers. Where other teachers would give you detention for the mere glimpse of an iPod, Miss Hudgens actively encouraged them. There was no syllabus or regular lessons. It was an open-ended course that promoted self-expression. Want to paint? Paint. Want to draw? Draw. Want to cut up magazines? Slice away, you psycho. She never tried to force style or rules on us, but she was always nearby to offer insight. For weeks, I had been laboring over this drawing of Jim Morrison. It's during that semester that I discovered my true love. Classic rock. Classic rock. I couldn't step away from it. It was to the point of obsession that every new project I completed in Miss Hudgens' art class was that of a fabled rock legend. But the best part about this class was the music. Every class when Miss Hudgens told us to get to work, the real magic started. I'd pop in my headphones and let creativity take control. I'd listen to albums I downloaded the night before over and over. There was also another classic rock obsessed kid in my class too. John, who was a lot like Joel, was also much cooler than me. He'd been on the classic rock train for a year or two longer than me, which in teenage years is basically a lifetime. We'd trade banter about albums and eventually start trading CDs. You burn me five albums, and I'll burn you five albums. It became a weekly trade. One week, John brought in his newest mix for me. After the ACDC and Black Sabbath, there was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'd heard the name, but was unfamiliar with their music. I popped it in my CD player. Chaos poured from the headphones. What I got, you gotta give it to your mama. What I got, you gotta give it to your papa. The drums slammed and the guitar squealed equal parts funk and fuzz. Then there was the bass. It bounced and danced in ways I'd never heard the instrument plucked before. The world of music came crumbling down around me. The music was strange, but it was titillating. It tapped into my hypersexualized teenage brain. The guitar-driven rocker within me was met with this unfounded knowledge to express my body through the art of dance. John, dude, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are awesome. Keep listening. That's all he needed to say. A world of funk, punk, rock, rap, and psychedelia collided through my headphones. To call it fusion is underselling the cross-genre blend they created. It shifted genres from verse to chorus, yet kept a steady ethos from start to finish. I bobbed my head and tapped my foot while the pencil ran down the thin strokes of Jim Morrison's hair. I was lost in the music, unaware of my classmates or the class schedule. 
My classmates jumped from the chairs and rushed to the next class. I was left scrambling to pack up and get moving as students for the next class filled the space. That evening, I scoured the internet for more, and what I found was their magnus opus, Blood Sugar Blood Sex, Sugar Magic. Sex Magic. Magic. This was everything I loved about the band crammed into one CD. There wasn't a skippable track, start to finish perfection of genre collision. It wasn't even about the hits. I treasured the album tracks, Funky Monks, Mellowship Slinky and B Major, The Righteous and the Wicked, My Lovely Man, and most importantly, Sir Psycho Sexy. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I read the email over and over. I was in disbelief. The Chili Peppers were coming to Memphis, a 90-minute drive from where I was attending college. I'd made this drive dozens of times. I could have done it with my eyes closed. More than half a decade later, this was my chance to finally find equal footing with Joel. There was no question I was going to be at the show. I didn't care that I didn't have any money. I didn't care that it was on a school night. I was going to find a way. But the first thing I had to do was invite my friend. There was only one person I knew that would want to do this with me. Normally I'd fly solo, but not this time. I knew the guy to call. Nathan. Nathan was an expert fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He was a bass player, and after the first time I heard him jam, I knew he was a fan. You're a Chili Peppers fan, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. A friendship blossomed around a single band. When the new album, I'm With You, was released, we reviewed it together track by track and line by line. Every time I saw him, there was a revelation to be had about an old album or bootleg he'd found. He was the biggest fan I'd ever met. Oh, you probably thought I was going to say Joel, didn't you? I can see why you'd think that. Joel moved to Georgia a few years earlier. It had become a near impossibility for us to link up anymore. The distance for either of us to travel was too great for a couple of broke college students. It wasn't a lack of affection, but simple mathematics. Not to say we ended our friendship. We just stopped hanging out. But Nathan was on an equal playing field as me. He'd never seen the Chili Peppers either. So there was no expectation of coolness I had to match. I wasn't filled with envy that he'd seen for Shantae and we were getting Josh Klinghoffer. No offense, Josh. We were just two dudes with seats in the upper deck who were happy to be there. We were so far in the nosebleeds that the band looked like toy miniatures. When the lights dropped and the band emerged, we squinted to recognize their figures. They were a blur, but we didn't care. Along with the rest of the crowd, we shot out of our seats the second the room went black. This was it. This was happening. The band took the stage to a collision of noises, a psychedelic mess. Anthony ran on stage, grabbed the microphone, and through phased vocals sang, The crimson tide is flowing through your fingers as you sleep. It didn't matter that they started with Monarchy of Roses, the opening track from their most recent album, I'm With You. Despite being a newer single, the crowd was up and jamming. This may not have been 1992 Chili Peppers, but it carried all the energy we expected and wanted from this band. The vocals were mismatched and the musicians exploded with noise. It was the sloppiness I expected with a punk act. It was out of control. But that's what made it so exciting. It could go off the rails at a moment's notice. 
We lived in the moment of seeing a band dance on the brink of disaster. Speaking of dancing, for years I marveled at the way fans would dance at shows. Their moves were so carefree that they looked like the physical embodiment of music passing through one's soul. Moving in any and all directions, it wasn't overthought or choreographed, but the truest expression of pleasure. For the record, I cannot dance. I've got two left feet, no rhythm in my bones, and all the other cliches. But for years, I refused to let the music take me. My fear was self-conscious ridicule. But at some point, I stopped caring. The music will take you if it wants you. And once I let go, the music never let me down. It always starts in the feet, usually a small shuffle, maybe a little pop in the knees if you're feeling funky. Then it wiggles its way into your hips. Throw that groovy booty into the mix. If it's sexy, do a little hip thrust. But when it really hits you, you start working the shoulders. Do a little shimmy with the downbeat. A wham bam thank you ma'am. When the drummer's locked in, you start throwing your arms in the mix. Bang out that air kit. And in the end, you look like a giant fool, but the music is passing through you. Or your human sacrifice to the music gods. Pause. Here's a little unsolicited advice. If you like the music, stop pretending and let go. And that's exactly what we did. Nathan and I bust out of our seats into a full-body jamboree. This concert was a lifetime in the making. Neither of us imagined the dream becoming reality. We had all this pent-up energy, like teenagers in the backseat on prom night. We were ready to explode. Nice. Nathan high-fived me and we threw our arms above our heads. I beat the air in spastic rhythms, splashing my head up and down. We slapped air bass, sang every word, and let our feet do the dancing. The band slid into Can't Stop after a building intro. The guitar rang through the crowd. I yelled and began jumping up and down. It's my second favorite Chili Pepper song. During high school, I spent countless hours practicing this song on the guitar. I poured over the intricacies and nuances of the song. The groovy guitar lick, the perfect background vocals, and the subtle chorus claps. The live version lost some of those nuances in favor of the band jumping and thrashing across the stage. But that's when it finally hit me. I was at a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. This was the marquee event I'd been chasing. From hearing this band for the first time in ninth grade, to seeing Joel in the tour t-shirt. And now for the very first time, I felt like I was seeing one of the big dogs of rock and roll. I floated in nostalgia. The days of listening to the band in high school washed over me. I thought about how proud high school Lance would be. I could hear him now. You're at the Chili Peppers? What? I get to see the Chili Peppers in concert? Everything I do, I do it for you, bud. Riding the wave of nostalgia, the band did another quick transition into Danny, California, the song that had burned up my high school airwaves. I don't know what it's like to have Give It Away or Californication as the radio darlings, but I did know Danny, California, and it was huge. It was surreal to be in the room with the band to hear these songs live. How are you, Flea? How are you, Flea? Anthony asked. Outstanding. Outstanding. Great. Great. Um, um, how are you, Anthony? How are you, Anthony? Flea responded. I feel pretty wonderful. Just riding the wave. Ride that mother. Let's ride that mother. Hey, if the guys that I yelled at earlier today in the lobby of the hotel are here today, I'd like to apologize. I told some guys to fuck off and I didn't really mean it. They caught me at the wrong moment. I'm actually really nice. Josh struck his guitar and a note sustained through the room. Drummer Chad Smith began a furious splash of the hi-hat and cymbal. The band started a jam of psychedelic proportions. For almost every song so far, the band had extended the intros. It was easy to pick up what they were building towards, but for this one, Nathan and I had no clue what was coming next. 
didn't sound like anything familiar. Anthony grabbed the microphone and began speaking. It turned out the quarterback pulled the groin muscle somewhere near the tank. So we're calling an audible. Yep, the left tackle has sprained his testicle spleen. We're calling an audible. The musicians looked at each other and laughed. Nathan and I looked at each other and laughed too. It was a moment of improvisation. Something I didn't expect with this band. They were hitting uncharted territory for a rock and roll band of this caliber. Most rock bands don't push the show this drastically. It's painfully obvious when the band plays the same thing every night. My standard is for bands to challenge themselves, but I forget that's atypical for most. A rock show is typically a paint-by-the-numbers, very planned and meticulous performance. Not quite Broadway, but they ain't deviating. For the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who not only alter the set list every night, but also add moments of improv, this is a huge win for me. A rock band pushing the limits. They're almost three decades into their career and challenging their standards. You love to see it. Flea introduced the next song. Here's a song so old that when it farts, dust comes out. He began a twirling bass line. Nathan recognized the song immediately. He screamed and threw his body into a full-on headbanging thrash. He leaned in my ear. Me and my friends, me and my friends. The song was from their 1987 The Uplift Mofo Party Plan. It was a much deeper cut than we expected them to dig out. Now that I was in on the song, I joined Nathan. We slammed our bodies, lost balance, and tried not to fall down the steep incline of the upper deck. I had thrashed the song in my own privacy for years, and now I was releasing it all. But they wouldn't stop there. They transitioned into blood sugar sex magic. This was my turn to recognize the song first. From the first note of the hi-hat, I knew what it was. I screamed and used Nathan's shoulder as leverage to skyrocket myself in the air. He looked at me for a second, but then it clicked for him too. The slinky funk had us both grooving. I wiped the sweat from my brow and wrapped the lyrics with Anthony. I threw all caution to playing a conservative. There was no one here. The concert was for us. My hands went above my head and I bounced with the rhythm. I was unstoppable. I didn't care about the bros in the Laker jerseys in front of us, nor the couple on date night next to us. This was the old school rage that Nathan and I craved. If they had stuck to the era of the previous two songs, Nathan and I would have died on the spot. But there was also a softer side to the band show. Songs like Other Side, Under the Bridge, Californication, and The Set Closer, by the way. These showed the band's versatility. It was a reminder of why a larger portion of the crowd was there. They wanted that SoCal Chill Chill vibes. I don't dislike these songs, but they're not what sold my ticket. After standing and raging for most of the show, I took a reprieve from my knees and grabbed a seat when they slowed down. Nathan couldn't be stopped, though. He stood and sang along. He closed his eyes and let the moment wash over him. This was bigger for him. He belted every word. He didn't even need the band to hit the main riff. He knew it all. Tonight was an important notch on my concert journey, but this was the pinnacle for Nathan. There was no higher point for him. It was a joy to watch him see his favorite band for the first time. When the band returned for the encore, following a brief jam, Chad counted in the next song on the hi-hat. Guitarist Josh Klinghoffer slid down the neck of his guitar as the sleazy bass riff thumped. My left arm wrapped around Nathan's shoulders and I used the force to propel myself into the air again. We were a foot away from bumping our heads on the ceiling and with every dance move we risked stumbling a bumpy flight of stairs to our death. Anthony seductively approached the microphone to yell out of tune. A long, long time ago. This was it. 
this song that corrupted my youthful mind. In all of its lasciviousness and vulgarity, the band pounded out Sir Psycho Sexy. Nathan and I, arms intertwined, danced in disbelief. The unfamiliar crowd audibly blushed at the crassness of the lewd fantasy shared in the song. For me, it wasn't about the dirt and the sleaze. This was my youth wrapped up tight. Following an especially jammy give it away, the band exited the stage, the house lights came up, and the crowds beelined to the exits. Nathan and I high-fived as neighbors impatiently stepped over us. While we blabbered about the show and tried to regain consciousness, a hand landed on my shoulders. We turned around to see a middle-aged woman with a huge smile spread across her face. Boys, I just wanted to tell y'all that watching you two dance was almost better than the actual show. Nathan and I stole glances and laughed awkwardly. We were two stone-cold sober losers, lost in careless boogie and completely overjoyed to be there. We didn't do it for anyone other than ourselves. This was vindication. This was elation and arousal. That lady would never understand our joy. But maybe she caught a slice of it. Or maybe I'm just a better dancer than I realized. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is Yesterday's Concert. Thanks for tuning in to another show. Sources and more information on today's show are available on our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. While you're there, check out some old episodes, or connect with us on Twitter, at ConcertPod, or on Instagram, at Yesterday's Concert. And until next time, take care of your shoes. <laughs>